What is up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and I'm excited for today's episode because I'm going old school and using my mic setup, as you can uh, see in this video. So hopefully the quality of sound is better than my um, AirPods that I've been using. And we are going to get right into it because... We have a lot to cover. So a couple people reached out on my episode about knee pain specifically. And if you haven't watched it, I'll link it into this episode in the show notes. So definitely watch that. And we're also going to go over um, a lot of exercise stuff. So if you are listening, I would 100% watch this episode. So again, when you have a chance, hit the show notes and click the link to watch this episode because we're going to go over all knee friendly exercises because in that last episode we went over a lot of you know anatomy we went over um the mechanisms of knee pain some injuries um what happens to the knee when it comes to um you know positioning and things like that so um, that was kind of like an introduction. So I was thinking, you know, for part two, because I had so many people reach out like, Hey, I do this exercise and it hurts my knee still. Should I be doing it? And I had another question where someone asked, you know, I do this exercise. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it doesn't. So there's a lot to it. So we're going to go over an exercise specific if you are currently dealing with knee pain. So the exercises that I'm going to, you know, air quote, prescribe only will work if you're an individual that has, you know, seen a physio, chiro, or some sort of medical professional to help, you know, guide the recovery of the knee injury in the right direction, and you are cleared for exercise. And most of these exercises tend to be somewhat safe. Um, and that's kind of like a general term because again, you know, I can say that this exercise is great for you, but you know, you put it into practice and it still doesn't feel right. And there's a lot of factors that come into it. So I can't have like a blanket statement of, you know, do this exercise and all your problems will be solved. These are, you know, from my experience in the industry of 12 years that usually these tend to work better than some. So I'm going to share my screen and perfect. Full screen this. I'm going to make myself a little bit bigger. Come on now. Oh no, you guys are also getting a little preview of my book, um, which by the way, I'm going to bring up. So yesterday, I believe, or the day before, I can't remember what day, um, I put out the official notice that my book is going to be coming out this January. And the cool thing is that in my ebook and the physical book, if I get all my shit figured out, um, you are going to receive full-on kin stretch workout. So if you can already see on my screen here, um, I've uploaded six and I have two other ones. So you're going to get a full eight um, kin stretch workouts in my new book that you can literally click play and follow along, which is going to be super cool. But anyway, let's talk about knee exercises. So um, we're going to talk about foam rolling 
first. And before we even get into it, um, I've done a full-on tutorial on foam rolling. I've done a full-on episode on foam rolling, which is right here. Um, it's episode 348. You can either watch it or you can listen to it. Again, this episode in particular um, was done in my car, so you don't really need to watch it unless you want to watch my face as I talk. But um, the reason why I want to bring up foam rolling, but I'm going to so I have a full foam rolling tutorial. So if you go on my YouTube page and just type in foam rolling tutorial, you'll find it. Okay, what do I want to this guy? So when I work with anybody, every single session starts with foam rolling. And here's the thing. Foam rolling is not going to, you know, fix all your issues. It's not going to change tissue quality. It's not going to, you know, I wonder if I can get this in HD. Never mind. Um, it's not going to fix your pain. But what you're going to do is, one, influence your nervous system, and two, um, kind of tell it to ease off on the e-brake. So our nervous system literally controls everything that we do when it comes from a stress response to a pain response. And in this particular case, we're trying to influence the pain response. So for the most part, many of us who deal with a regular job, we sit. And, you know, I cover this topic so, so many times. And we all know that our hips are pretty tight because of sitting. So when we go to the gym, if you think about all the muscles attached to the hip on the front side, so like say your quads, your TFL, your hip flexors, all those things have all this like neurological tension on it because we've been sitting in this chair like I am right now for a prolonged amount of time. So now there's stress and tension on it. So now imagine you trying to do a back squat or a lunge or something athletic. All those muscles in the front of your leg have this built up tension. Now imagine you trying to perform that exercise and it's pulling on stuff attaching to your knee. Cause you know, we've done a lot of anatomy stuff on my podcast and all my posts, like, which I need to start bringing up again, but um, there's a lot of muscles that cross the hip and knee or, you know, just cross the knee in general that play a huge role in lower body exercises. So now imagine that you've sat for 10 hours and then sat in your car to drive to the gym and you have all this unwanted stress and tension on the musculature around the knee. And now you're trying to do a lunge, like probably it's not going to feel that great. Because one of the biggest, um, you know, complaints I get from people with knee pain is that certain leg exercises bug their knee. And it tends to be a lot of exercises that are, you know, knee dominant, like step-ups, walking lunges, forward lunges, lunges in general. Um, so those exercises tend to flare it up. But what if I had a device, aka the foam roller, that could possibly communicate with that nervous system to be like, hey, you don't need to keep that tension on, you know, the IT band, TFL, quad, things like that um, to, 
give you a little bit more range. So now I'm actually going to play this video where, you know, I start off rolling not only my um, IT band, but I'm also going into my quad and I'm also going to go into like my, my TFL and everything like that as well. Right. And yes, you know, you can get into stuff as, you know, no, don't roll your IT band. It's designed to stay tight, which is true. But I would make the argument that, you know, if you're sitting all day, you're placing more, you know, information to your nervous system to keep all those muscles that attach to the hip and the knee, aka your IT band, to be even more tight. So if I could release some tension on there, even though the IT band will stay tight, I know it sounds redundant, but it will ease off a little bit. And that's going to play a huge role on preventing that, you know, unwanted knee stress, knee pain. So every single um, client that I start with, I'm going to foam roll all those, you know, culprits that tend to be tight that we're going to affect the exercises that we do. So now imagine, you know, I spent like, and again, I spend like maybe five to seven minutes in the hour on foam rolling and that'll be the entire body. Or if I have a more lower body uh, focused uh, exercise, then we're going to spend a little bit more time to get the nooks and crannies of that lower musculature. But this is how we start. So now that I have some information being sent to the nervous system to you know, settle down, getting some blood flow to the area, now we're going to mobilize it. So a lot of times with my um, people that are not happy with their knee progress when it comes to pain, um, we need to mobilize the musculature around that um, knee joint. So one big thing that tends to happen is that, you know, hip flexors are super tight. So from foam rolling, I will literally work on you know, hip mobility. So right now I'm doing a half kneeling hip flexor stretch. And the key here is, well, as I turn to the other side, you see my toe in the back, I'm cueing my hips to do a pelvic tilt to kind of get more tension on um, all the musculature in the front of the hip. And then I'm also pushing down with my um, hands down to my knee to create a little bit more contraction through my core to kind of send more of a signal to my nervous system that I'm trying to influence its tissue. And then I'm rocking forward and back with that hip. So we take a second here. Yeah, I'm rocking forward and back. So now we're influencing the stuff that influences the knee because the knee, which I've said on the podcast before, is aka the stupid joint. It's dictated by what the ankle and the hip does. So I need to influence the hip and ankle to move a little bit better to ensure that the knee tracks in the right direction when we're doing lower body exercises. So now I'm doing, you know, my hip flexors and quad and things like that. But, you know, this exercise might not be good for you. Like I said in the very beginning of this episode, because being in this position might be causing unwanted stress on that hip flexor. So there's a couple of things. Something as simple as like, let's put a little foam pad underneath the knee. That tends to fix it. But sometimes when people have really flared up knees, really bad knees, they've had surgeries 20 years ago, and now they're trying to get back into it. Like this is probably a no-go, you know, but you can play around with maybe not doing the pelvic tilt, maybe not squeezing the ass as hard as possible, maybe just doing a simple rock or getting um, used to the 
um, position, or maybe just getting rid of that back toe. All great options, right? So now we have done hip flexion, hip flexors, and things like that. But what also influences the hip? Well, we have our external rotators. So one of my favorite exercises that we're going to get into is our 90-90. So let's just type in 90-90 and we'll see what we get. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, 100% you should because the amount of videos I have on here for a resource, like... I'm pretty sure I'm close to 2,000. So, oh, of course we would have an ad as I'm trying to do this freaking, I wonder if I get money for this. <laughs> Probably not. But uh, I'm going to move myself over here. So we have our 90-90 position before I go in. So the big key here is knee in line with the front hip, knee in line with the ankle, and same thing in the back. So we have our 90-90. What we're doing here in this upright position is we're arching low back because that's going to open up the hip capsule and all those external rotators of your hip. So when it comes to knee stuff, if I'm going to squat, I want to push my knees out on the way down on the way up. If I don't have enough external rotation of my hips, my knees are most likely going to cave in, favoring internal rotation going, oh, sorry, I hit my microphone, um, favoring internal rotation going into that valgus collapse and you're gonna look like you know a melted candle trying to come back up into your squat. So we're gonna influence all those tissues to help us uh, with hip external rotation. But look at the, look at this mastery of cleverness I come up with. Um, so we did hip um, hip flexors earlier, which is responsible for hip flexion. So if I'm going to be doing lunges or squats, it requires an adequate amount of hip flexion. So if I've been sitting all day and making hip flexion stiff, it would make sense that I need to work on that in my warm-up in order that my squat and lunges will feel better and my knees will have less tension. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to like proper training. And I feel like I'm going to go on a tangent right now because, you know, so many people that will come up to me, they'll ask me questions and then I give them a response of like what I just said and it makes sense to them. But I'm like, how do you find that information online when you're trying to navigate your own health and fitness? You know, like, yes, you can go on YouTube and search up free workouts, you know, 20 minute yoga power, whatever, or like high intensity intervals, sweet, right? That's for generalized people. But what if you're dealing with something completely different than all the other 7,000 people that watched that video that did that workout and that found it okay? Maybe your low back doesn't like it. Maybe this, maybe that. It's similar, and I give this analogy all the time. It's like, you know, my dishwasher breaks. Sure, I can go on YouTube, find that exact model, find a great tutorial to fix it. But when I go in there and spend like three hours trying to do it while the video literally shows the guy doing it for three minutes because he's somewhat more capable than I am, because maybe he has a construction background, maybe he builds houses for a living, who knows? But he's somewhat of, you know, above average in that field and has that knowledge. So, you know, yeah, I could fix it after three to four hours and most likely three months, four months, six months down the road, maybe a year from now, that dishwasher is going to go again because I didn't put, you know, the expertise that, you know, that guy who made the video might have 
And I could have just hired someone like him or her to come in and just fix it and pay them for the hour, maybe even 40 minutes, save myself a lot of time and a lot of money just getting it done professionally. And this is where I find people, for some reason, in the fitness industry, it's like everyone thinks that they can do it on their own. You know, like I spent literally 12 years of my life trying to perfect my craft. So when people are like, you know what, thank you for all the free information that you always give, but I'm going to do it on my own. And it's like, sweet. Like, yes, I want to help people. But at the same time, it's like, you're going to end up hitting a wall. And this is where like individual recommendations and individual approaches come in handy. Like, you know, me trying to fix my own car. Yes, I can go watch the YouTube video and hope for the best. But when it just makes more sense to give it to someone that's a professional and make sure it's not going to crap out on you. Right. But that's a whole nother podcast maybe of why you need to hire a trainer. Um, that's good. Anyway, we got the magic sauce here. Hip 90-90. We are getting those hip external rotators and flexors ready for our workout. So it's simple, just forward and back to shorten and lengthen the musculature to prep the body. So now we have gotten two specific things for our knees to be a little bit happier when it comes to squatting and lunging. So now let's get into the ankle joint, but we're going to go back to the hip joint too, because how I also create warmups specifically is we're starting from the bottom up. So if I'm doing a warmup, it'd be kind of stupid for me to waste time because I want to be efficient in my workout. I want to get as much out of it. And honestly, this can be another episode too about do you really need a full hour of training, right? Who, who came up with that? Like think about that right now. Who came up with this whole idea that you have to work out for an hour? Think about where that came from. I don't even fucking know, <laughs> right? But what if you're an individual that literally has so much going on and you could only do like, I don't know, 20 minutes? Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's your jam. So if you have 20 minutes, how do you prioritize a workout? Like these are the things you need to be asking yourself. But anyway, um, ooh, by the way, we're at 361 subscribers. Guys, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, 100%, you got to do it because I post a lot of new stuff and it's great value. Um, we're also going to influence this angle. That's where I was going. I'm going a lot of tangents here. I'm so sorry. So ankle cars. So I've played this before, and I believe I might have played this for um, the last video on knee pain. Man, we are getting a lot of ads today. I'm not uh, hacking metabolism, hey? Oh, interesting. Oh, you know what? I think this might be... Well, this is, again, this is so good that we're going over this. I'm pretty sure this is for seeing if you're in ketosis or something. Oh, interesting. I actually had someone reach out to me from a company that has literally one of the same products where you have to blow into it to see if you're in ketosis. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this and I never got around to it. But um, anyway, sidetrack, ankle car. So if I'm going to influence how my knee is going to move in a workout, we covered the hip a little bit and now we're also going to cover the ankle. So we're going to do ankle cars, nice and simple. Big ankle circles. You can also do just standing ankle dorsiflexion going forward and back, but you want to cover those ankles if 
I'm an individual that has uh, knee issues, knee tightness, knee flare-ups, knee pain of any sort to make sure that my ankles are loosey-goosey and have enough range when it comes to doing lunges, squats, whatever. So nice and simple, ankle cars. Got that on my YouTube channel that you're going to subscribe to at the end of this uh, episode, right? All right, so now we're going to be standing. We're going to influence the hip a little bit more and more dynamic um, setting, environment. So we're going to do hip cars. And hopefully I have an updated hip car for you guys um and what we are going to go with yeah there's a lot of variations but one of my favorite ones is my wall uh, facing hip cars so with this one it's really good in the sense that you're not going to cheat because you're going to have full um kind of feedback if you're leaning over to cheat by that other elbow, so my left elbow bending. But now I'm taking my hip through all the planes of motion that it can do. So right now I'm coming up into hip flexion, hip abduction, hip internal rotation, going into extension. And then same thing, we're going to go back, hip extension, hip external rotation, back to flexion and back down. So when you think about it, the hip can move in so many different positions and it would be stupid of me that if I'm going to work out and move my hip in all these different positions because I want to do lunges and squats and deadlifts, it would make sense to warm up my hip joint, the way it's designed. So there you go. We have hip cars. So we covered a lot of mobility stuff, right? What is this? Um, and we haven't even covered exercises that you should be doing instead of things that will hurt the knee. So these exercises I just gave, yes, they are um, part of, you know, your warm up, but these can also be your AKA rehab exercises for someone that's dealing with knee pain. Like me working in the clinic with patients that have knee pain, these are the exact same exercises that I give them. Like these are that tipping point that if you are dealing with pain, I want you to be efficient at them. So then you can move past your block when it comes to seeing success. Cause that's like the worst thing is that, you know, people are trying to lose weight. They're inactive thing. Shit hurts. And then you go to the gym and you have this mentality of no pain, no gain. And you know, you're pushing through it and then eventually your body goes, you know, fuck, stop being stupid. I'm going to stop you and shut you down all completely by creating more tension in that knee joint and you're going to feel pain and I'm going to stop you. So now you have to take time off and kind of go through the cycle of taking, taking time off, getting consistent, taking time off, getting consistent. And over a year span, you're not going to see, you know, the results you're hoping for. So in that case, you know, if someone can do the literally exercises that I just gave them uh, in this uh, video every single day, they're going to see huge, huge changes, but whole nother story that we can get into. Let's get into some knee friendly exercises. So big thing is we're going to go into reverse lunges and we're going to get into this guy. So 
why do reverse lunges work beautifully for knee pain? So in this video, you can see that I do have quite the angle of the knee kind of hovering over the ankle, right? And this is your typical reverse lunge where you're going to have somewhat of knee flexion. Again, that's not wrong, but if I had an individual that's like, yeah, my knee sometimes hurts when I do reverse lunges, then rather than having this kind of shin angle, I would have them go further back. So in this video, when I take a step back, I'll take a bigger step back, and I kind of do this in this rep, but if I had my back foot like three inches further back, guess where this knee is going to end up? It's probably like if this is the front of my knee, it's probably going to end up here. That's going to be in line with that ankle. So you won't have the stress of all this like musculature here. If you look at my cruiser, cursor, cursor, um, going over top of my knee, it's going to have less of tension on here. So now most likely this is not going to bug me at all. So we have this exercise. Say that doesn't work or it does work and now we need more options. And we are going to get into some single leg deadlifts. So let us find, what am I doing? There we go. Um, we're gonna show the contralateral which I'll also bring up what the hell I just said. So contralateral load is when I am holding the kettlebell, say on this case, the right side, and my left leg is the working leg. Let's uh, get myself a little smaller here too. And the reason why I do this compared to say coming down and having this kettlebell on this hand while this leg is working is that most general population don't have enough hip stability to prevent this opposite hip from like poking up towards the ceiling and it becomes a balancing act. Whereas a contralateral load, your body's forced to stabilize. And the joke that I always make is that, you know, if I could get somebody single leg deadlifting in a contralateral load like this video, with like 45 pounds, all their issues and problems in the gym would go away. So let's look at the mechanism behind why the single leg deadlift is like one of the best exercises. And we're gonna go from the bottom up. So in order to do the single leg deadlift, my foot needs to be stable. My arch needs to be strong. My big toe needs to be able to press down into the ground to activate my glutes. My knee needs to learn how to be stable. My ankle needs to learn how to be stable. My hip needs to learn how to be stable. I'm working my grip strength by death gripping this thing. I'm learning how to create shoulder stability. I'm learning how to create low back stability. And then from that, I'm also learning how to strengthen up my hamstrings, my adductors, my hip external rotators, basically any hip stability muscle out there. And this exercise just is literally an end all be all. And when it comes from like a performance standpoint, having this load on a contralateral uh, position, it's literally pushing me down. So I have to resist rotation. So now this becomes like a, an ultimate core exercise that 
most people don't do. They kind of just skim over the single leg deadlift and they're like, I'm just going to go barbell deadlift. Imagine if I loaded this thing, like I could take any dude in the gym, in a public gym, that's like say deadlifting 300 pounds and doesn't do any single leg work and give him like a 12 kilo kettlebell, like he would be falling over like no tomorrow. But imagine that person that can deadlift 300 and was able to deadlift like a 150 pound dumbbell or whatever, like some sort of 150 pound um, load contralaterally and then try to do a, a double leg deadlift like fuck those numbers would go up really fast anyway ultimate exercise but the nice thing is that the single leg deadlift tends to be very knee friendly yes i do have slight knee flexion but it's not so much that you know it resembles a forward lunge or a walking lunge that pushes down onto the quads because it's not a quad dominant exercise. You're getting more hamstring and glute than anything. So it tends to pull off any kind of pressure on that knee. And I would say nine out of 10 times, this is a great solution for um, people with knee pain. But uh, let's continue this lovely journey onto the next one. So we are going to look at a lateral split squat. And... Uh, let's go with this guy. I have a lot of variations, obviously. All right, so traditionally lateral lunges are not the greatest for knee stuff. But when you look at the lateral split squat, and I'm going to pause it here, what does this kind of resemble? It's a hip hinge. Literally the lateral split squat, because I'm not taking a step, and that's important is that when you're dealing with um, knee pain, doing anything where you have to take a step and decelerate, that's all quad. Like your quads are built to ensure your knee doesn't go into like hyperextension. That's why when you go hiking and you're hiking back down on the mountain, the next day your quads are destroyed because it's literally like every single step that you did for like an hour, your quads are like firing like crazy to make sure your knee doesn't like hyperextend. So when it comes to creating more control and creating a better environment for your knee, a split squat um, compared to like a full-on lunge that requires locomotion tends to be the better choice. But the point that I was trying to make is when you look at the lateral split squat or even just lateral lunge in general, your body goes into a hip hinge. And I remember going to a conference and a really smart guy named... Um, what is his name again? Doesn't matter. Um, said that when you look at the lateral split squat, lateral lunge, it's literally a lateral deadlift. And that kind of like blew my mind. It gave me so many light bulbs. And I was like, damn, that's like really freaking good. So if we go off that logic, then a lateral split squat should be good. If we eliminate lateral lunges, which requires that those quads to, um, activate and decelerate and again put unnecessary tension on that knee then you know we should stay away from that but a lateral split squat if it's a lateral deadlift it's most likely going to play in our favor so for the most part i would say seven or eight out of times uh, out of ten times um, the lateral split squat's another great um, solution for people with knee pain now let us go into more exercise so 
if you think about this, we're trying to control um, where the motion of the knee is. So in a split squat position, that knee angle is going to stay the same constantly. So if we go off of that logic, things like glute bridges would be great. Um, things like hip thrusts, single leg hip thrusts, hamstring curls, all those things tend to um, be the better option. I'm going to go back to just me here. Um, so we have glute bridges, single leg glute bridges, feet elevated glute bridges, single leg feet elevated glute bridges. We have hip thrusts, single leg hip thrusts, barbell glute bridge, barbell hip thrusts, um, single leg barbell glute bridge, single leg hip thrusts. And now you can kind of see like all those exercises don't require a lot of you know, movement at the knee, it kind of like literally like you can have your knee angle at 90 degrees the entire time. And when the knee becomes aggravated, it's when that knee joint has to move under load. So all those exercises, like I gave you a long list of stuff that you can do, um, which will help in the long run. So now we have all these different options. And now imagine if you're an individual that has been struggling with on and off knee pain, um, implementing these instead of the exercises that you're doing right now is most likely going to lead you in the right direction. So this is the thing that I love doing is like working with an individual that has been training for a while or off and on, but has a lot of experience and they get into these like pockets of their journey where they're just not progressing, something hurts. And it's like, okay, let's identify the issue let's figure out why it's causing you pain and let's figure out exercises that are going to not aggravate it anymore. So now imagine you taking your entire program, I deconstruct it and throw in exercises that are not going to bug your knee. You're going to see huge gains. And that's what I do. And this is what my book is about too, because you're going to do an assessment. And that's my biggest thing is that I need to assess where you're at. I need to see how you move. I need to see what joint is doing what. So now I can be able to distinguish what exercise might cause irritation at the knee joint and now throw an exercise that won't. And that's where people will see huge changes. So I'm going to leave it there because I feel like I've been talking forever, but uh, I think that's going to give you a lot of clarity on where, you know, you should go when it comes to um, knee pain, knee, uh, friendly exercises and things like that and kind of put you in the right direction. So um, I'm going to leave it there. Um, 100% hit the show notes to watch this episode. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Put your name down for my ebook uh, presale list. So in January, when I release the official date for it, I'm going to email every single person on my presale list and let them know that Here's a link that you can use before anyone else on the internet, and you're going to get yourself a copy. I'm literally just putting the finishing touches on my book. It is so freaking good. Um, over 100,000 words. This thing is going to be a monster. You're going to have a program to follow, an assessment to do that will dictate what you're going to do in the program, full-on Kim stretch workouts where you get to follow along with me like I'm actually coaching you a lot of anatomy that you're going to learn and not like boring stuff like 
I use my humor a lot when I teach anatomy and it's going to shed some light on why certain things feel a certain way or why you're doing a certain exercise. And I go into all my training methodologies and there's just a lot. And later today, actually, I'm going to be posting the full on um, index of my book online. So keep an eye out on that. So you 100% want to put your name on that pre-sale list because this book is the best work I've ever put out in my entire career. And I am excited to share it with you guys. So I'm going to end it there. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.